into talking. Let's talk for just a minute. Um, in light of news on Friday, um, today's subject matter was already planned out. And I don't think probably for a title like Having Perspective, Friday certainly, or the events of Friday certainly do come into there. And so I'm going to take just a few minutes here and pray for the families that were impacted um, on Friday and, and just all the events of, of that day. If there is ever a group of people that need us to pray for them, it's the group of people. Most of uh, us will never see them. We may never know their names. We'll never have any contact with them whatsoever. And it dawned on me standing in the back um, that um, that there are parents who have already bought gifts for their children. Probably already wrapped under trees and all of that. So let's just take a minute and um, pray for those families. Father, in our current range of vision, there is probably no greater group of people that need comfort and encouragement and hope and peace than that group of people connected to the school in Connecticut. Father, if there is another group of people that need your comfort and your promises specifically and directly applied to their hearts, it's them. If there's ever a group of people that need to know the truth that you give beauty for ashes, it is those people. Father, we do not pretend to know the depth of their pain or their sorrow or their grief, but you do. And so we just cry out to you on their behalf. That you would touch their hearts and their lives in a way that only you can. So, Father, perhaps right now in their community, they are sitting in a church service. And, Father, wherever they are right now, I ask the Holy Spirit would just come upon them, that he would encourage them and warm them and give them a sense of peace that the scriptures refer to as that is beyond explanation. Father, I ask that in their lives as in our lives, that the truth of your word holds out. That you do not waste pain in our lives. That you are intentional about coming to us and reaching us and loving us. And Father, during this season of their lives, I ask that you would show yourself to them. Father, you ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Perspective um, has a lot to do with the lens by which we view things. And so, 
to see. Do you see a man playing a saxophone? Or do you see a woman's face? Or now you see both. Right? Sometimes the way we see things has to do with our experiences, has to do with what we're thinking about right in the moment. Um, when you first see this picture, your eyes drawn to something. And so maybe you do see the woman's face, or maybe you see the man with a very big nose playing saxophone. Because it's about your perspective. Sometimes when the images are black and white, um, they are a little easier to be drawn towards something. Some call these optical illusions. Some of my favorite is chalk art. So you can find pictures of people drawing a variety of things on sidewalks, like this next picture. And so some of these um, are the talent that it takes to do that escapes me. So to create that image that is obviously not real, but you perceive something in the image. Maybe you saw the woman's face. Maybe you saw the Middle playing saxophone. When you walk up on this, you see a great camera open in the, the pool of the sidewalk. Because it's about perspective. Today, we are going to talk from the viewpoint of the three wise men. And we're going to do that with the understanding of their perspective. Because we're talking about a group of people, and, and we, we say the three of them because of the gifts they brought. Right? Gold, Frankenstein, and Myrrh. Right? Now, for the most part, Frankenstein and Myrrh have no part in our culture. We have no idea what they are. Um, they're spices, they're perfumes, um, very, very expensive. As a matter of fact, we know later on in the life of Jesus that a woman comes to him. And she has an alabaster box. The box in and of itself was very expensive. In that box was perfume. She breaks the box open. She anoints Jesus' feet. People freak out because that was very expensive. As a matter of fact, the one person that freaked out the most was Judas. Because Judas said, wait, wait, we could take that and sell it and get a lot of money for it. Because Jesus was always thinking about the money. Also, while I'm talking about Jesus, if you ever wonder what your role is or how you fit into a group, especially a church group, there's one disciple, that, the only one, that ever did anything on his own. That was Judas. Nowhere else in Scripture do you find the other disciples going off and doing anything in and of themselves. The only one that you ever see going off and doing something by himself is Judas. And we all know how that turned out. So, let, let's look at our first scripture here from the book of Matthew. In chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. If every Bible is going to turn there, every verse we're going to look at or read today will be on your screen. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Now let's just hang right there and look at a couple things that happen. People come from far away off to find 
this king who is going to be born. Now, Jesus in his life fulfilled over 300 prophecies. Over 300. There's just a handful that have to do with his birth. And specifically about him being born, there's just three. Now, what I want you to know is nowhere in Scripture does it talk about a star leading anybody anywhere. No. None. Not Isaiah, not Jeremiah, not Genesis. Nowhere does it say that a star leads anybody to the place where this new king was going to be born. So here's what we understand about God. He's going to do what he wants when he wants, how he wants. So what God does for people that are complete strangers to the Jewish faith, he brings them to a place to accomplish his specific goal. We'll talk about what he does with them here later on. But not in Scripture is anything mentioned about following the star. So somehow, way, for some reason, the same God that gave Isaiah prophecies takes these people who are non-Jewish, completely outside of the faith, and brings them into the story of the God of heaven being born into the world. Which I find ironic, because for a long time, the Jewish people pushed every, all the Gentiles away. They're the Messiah's about us. Which is not really a scriptural point of view. Even their scripture, it's not really their point of view. The Abrahamic covenant, God says to Abraham, I'm going to bring something through your lineage that will change the face of humanity. Is a prophecy to Abraham. And he says, um, your descendants will be like the sand and the sea and the stars of the sky. There'll be so many, nobody can count them. And this, this promise of prophecy that I'm going to give you will be a blessing to every nation, not just the Jews, but to every nation. So we have the three wise men, and we say three because of their gifts, um, show up and ask the king at the time, where's the new king? So imagine how he feels when he meets the new king. Um, um, the king. We don't need a new one. Right? Because you got one already. So for him, the question is this. The question not just to him, but to us as well, is this. What am I looking for? Because he was certainly not looking for someone to replace him, was he? That was a threat to his kingdom. So we asked them, am I more concerned about my kingdom than about God's kingdom? Am I more concerned that I'm protected and I'm taken care of or did I get mine? Is that my perspective? Did I get the credit I'm due? Or am I more concerned about what God may be doing? What am I looking for? Even among the people to whom the Messiah was agreeing to born into their heritage, they were clueless. They were absolutely clueless. God was literally working all around them. And they had no idea. Let's go back to that verse quickly. Um, now, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Disturbed. 
disturbed, not excited, not joyous, not thrilled. He was disturbed. And all of Jerusalem was disturbed too. Well, who's all Jerusalem? The Jews. They weren't excited. They weren't thrilled. They were disturbed. We're in a season where we would think it would be easy to have a right perspective. But oddly enough, isn't it interesting that in a season where we should have a right perspective, it's almost the most difficult time of the year to have the right perspective. Because most of our culture, this is not the season to celebrate the God of heaven coming to earth. It's about gifts. It's about money. It's about consumerism. It's about dreading, driving to Florence. Right? Yeah. So we say, thank Jesus for Amazon. And not just because they employ half of Hebron, but because right, they, they may have more property in Boone County than anybody else, I don't know. Um, I just had a fantastic thought, and it ran out of my head. It'll come back, I promise. Um, we don't look at this season and are excited about it. Here's what it was at. This week, two weeks ago, I, I'm standing at the front desk for someone to go and work out. And one of, one of our star employees comes walking by. She's a rock star where she works. But she's just fantastic. She's, she's um, member-oriented. She's always engaging. She, she wants to help, and she's always inquisitive. And how can I help you do this? Or do you have any questions? She stops where I'm standing, maybe talking to Pat or somebody. And she says, okay, I've got a, I've got a problem. Okay, now, in my role at that place, whenever somebody says i got a problem, I'll be honest with you, my heart sinks. Because most likely it's, it's just going to be a gripe that I can't fix, right? Because you want to warm, you want to warm, and you want the same room cold within a 20-minute difference of each other. I'll tell you, that's not going to happen. I love you. Go in peace. That's just not going to happen. So she stops and says, hey, I've got this, I, I got this problem. I've got this question for you. So here's her dilemma. Somebody in her neighborhood, and she cannot understand it, somebody in the neighborhood with all the other Christmas decorations has a cross. Now, this cross is small and it has a light behind it, so it shines up really big. You've seen those, like on barns. So, so it's on the side of the house is this really big cross. Okay. She said, well, that just doesn't belong. Okay, right, so you see where this is going. I'm thinking, maybe you have... You have just lit up fires and you have no idea how to put out. That's why I said, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, that's about Easter. And I was like, ah, I know. You see where this is going. Right. Because you'd really be poking out of a stick and have this conversation with me. Right. So I said, well, okay, hold on. I said, you're familiar with the Christmas story, right? She's like, well, yeah. I said, okay. So what is the message that the angels give to the shepherds? What is the message that the angels give to Mary and Joseph? This baby that is going to be born will do what? He will save the people from there. Okay, that did not occur in a manger in Bethlehem, right? You jump forward in life about 30 some odd years, and you have that same baby is now grown up to be a man. Lived a sinless life. And the Romans didn't kill Jesus. The Jews didn't kill Jesus. I killed Jesus. 
understanding, God can do a lot of things that are fantastic. He's just not going to force his way into your heart. He's not going to force his way into your mind. He's not going to force his way into your life. He'll show up every day, every minute, every second. He'll show up and wait for you to go. Here I am. Here I am. So what are you looking for? We're going to look over at the next verse. Starting at verse 4. When he called together all the peoples, meaning the Jewish people, and he, which he was not one of, he called all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asked them where the Christ was to be born. Now remember, Christ is not Jesus' last name. The word Christ means Messiah, deliverer, rescuer. That's what Christ is. So he says, well, what, where is this going to happen? And they say, in Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Okay? The people knew what the prophecy said, but it did not change them. It made no impact on their lives. Here it says, I gather him. These guys came from a long way. And understand that it probably wasn't just three guys carrying boxes walking in. Okay, that's, I mean, we're talking about a caravan of people. So big, in fact, that, that they could not go unnoticed as they traveled through the country. So we're talking about a caravan of people coming to find this new king who's going to be born. So it's not just one little box of perfume, not just one little box of incense, not just one little box of gold. Because what happens, you understand, they show up when Jesus is about two years old. We'll get to that in a second. So when they show up, they didn't show up in the major team of angels and the shepherds and all that. That's not where the wise men showed up. It's cute nice to see, but that's not when they showed up in the life of Jesus. Okay, so... When, when they come to town, what happens is that Herod says, well, I can't have another king. So he sets out to massacre every male child two years and under. That's what happens. So to fulfill prophecy, Mary and Joseph take Jesus and they flee to Egypt. They run away. You know how they can afford that trip? Wise men. That's right. So God has this plan to fund the extended vacation of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And he uses these guys to do it. That is fantastic. Because they were poor. What's the phrase? They were poor as Job's turkey. They had nothing. There's no way they could have escaped. I don't know what it means. They were just hearing me. Alright? You don't have to be dirty. Let's just laugh. Just, just dig a little. Alright? Just hear me. I got enough pressure. So, so, yeah, we're, okay. so there's no way they could have afforded this thing. Not they're poor. Mary and Joseph are just they had nothing. And so God funds this thing because well Jesus needs to survive. So how do I keep the right perspective? Because life is going to happen. There will be pain in my life. There will be difficulties in my life. There will be great 
else that you listen to. So in the morning, to my ironing clothes this morning, I was listening to Charles Stanley. He was on TV. I like Charles Stanley. I don't like his boy better, but I like Charles Stanley. He's a great, great Bible teacher. That is no substitute for reading, me reading my Bible myself. You showing up here on Sunday morning, looking at words on the screen, are no substitute for you reading your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I will get you one. If you don't know how to read it, we will plug you in a group that will help you do that. We'll give you a, a version of the Bible that's easy to understand, it's easy to read. I love King James Bibles. I do. In part because I like Shakespeare. <laughs> I like that language. I like how it sounds. I like how it's... It all makes you feel smarter when you read it. It just does. Right? It's similar to talking to somebody who's from England. They could be just blowing smoke, but because they have an accent, they sound smart. Think about it. Right? Maybe that was a bag of hammers. But they, they speak an English accent, and they sound smart. Okay. So, I... I, I the, the Bible that I carry, the Bible that I read, the Bible that sits on my desk, um, is a new international version. In part because I want to read it the first time and get it. Now, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, certainly not. So I want to read my Bible and get it as quickly as I can so that I can apply it to my life and share it with other people. That's what I want to do. And so. Look at how many times in just one section of Psalm 119 that David says, Your words are to create your statutes. I can't live without your word in my life. Not what somebody else says about your word, but your word to me in my life today and right now. That, right there, is helping us have a right perspective. To know God's word, to apply God's word, and to share God's word. When you look at the story of the Nativity, there are people who knew the prophecy. They didn't show up in a manger. They never went to worship Jesus. They just knew a little bit about what God says. Never applied it to their life. And they never shared it with anybody. Never shared it with anybody. Verses 11 through 12 in Matthew. Coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother. See, they came to the house. They didn't go to the stable. They came to the house. So if they saw the star when Jesus was about to be born, it took them that long to get to where Jesus is now. Most people say this is he's about two years old. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. They had even wanted a dream not to go back to Herod. They returned to their country by another route. For hundreds of years, nobody heard God's voice. Nobody heard a prophecy. There were no angels that showed up. And then, in a very small amount of time, angels, the voice of God, Showing up in a bunch of people's lives. Mary, Joseph, shepherds, um, wise men from a foreign country. God is showing up in people's lives for the sole purpose, purpose of bringing his son, the Messiah, 
into humanity. We're going to see some ways easy to lose perspective. It's easy to get lost in this thing and that thing. And, um, I think it's very, very easy in this season. And, and it shouldn't be, but it just is. Uh, I believe our very last verse that we'll look at, maybe one of the, if you want to write a verse down, this is it. So we do remember the verse we tried to learn a couple of few weeks ago, right? So I remember that verse, a generous person. Will that's on past desks I see it all the time. Will prosper a soul? I think past version says a soul who refreshes will themselves be refreshed. Water. That's right because I liked your version better. I don't know what version that was. Some pagan something or other. Jesus, we come asking these things. Amen.